Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of our Grom Squad podcast series around Whiskey Throttle Media. I'm your host, Brent Bowser. Before we jump in the podcast, I want to give a shout out to Racetech for coming on board and sponsoring our podcast. They're a big supporter of Whiskey Throttle Media. You can go on to racetech.com and see all the different parts and services they offer. Suspension work, motor work, and just a whole lot of other things they can do. So if you haven't had a chance to check them out, go on to racetech.com and see what products and services they have available. We're here with KTM Orange Brigade rider, Jeremy Fapani. What's going on, Jeremy? How are you, man? Doing good. How about yourself? You know, can't complain. I uh, appreciate you taking the time to jump on here with us today. It's been fun to get to know the up-and-coming amateur riders that are making their way through the ranks. But before we get started and too far into this, just go ahead and give us a little bit of background on yourself for people out there who aren't familiar with who you are. Yeah, so I uh, was born in Southern California, Temecula area, and then moved out to Scottsdale when I was young. Moved out when I was about four, Scottsdale, Arizona, and now I'm 17, and I've lived there my whole life, basically. Um, but mainly I ride in SoCal, do a lot of work with Ivan Tedesco, and then in the summer times, I go out to Baker's factory, training for Loretta's and stuff like that, do more outdoor prep out in Florida. So, so yeah, been riding for KTM Orange Brigade for about four years now. And yeah, I love it over there. So you grew up in Southern California and you're, and you're, and you relocated. How has the switch been and do you enjoy it or do you miss SoCal a little bit? Um, I'm in SoCal basically every week when I'm riding. So, I mean, I, I don't miss it too much because I'm out there so often, but the area we were in was real nice. But Scottsdale, I, I love living in Scottsdale. It's real nice. It's real nice here. Yeah, for sure. Do you, do you get out and play some golf? Uh, you know, obviously that's like a, a big golf area. So I don't know if you hit the golf course often, but it's got to be a pretty cool area for that. Yeah, I try to swing the clubs from time to time, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, just, just time to time. No, that's cool. And so you mentioned going to Florida and train. Obviously, you know, the humidity there is quite a lot different than SoCal and, and Scottsdale. You know, it's dry out here. How, how is it when you go out there to train in Florida? Is, are you, do you like the suffering of Florida? Is that something that you would like to do in the future or do you like uh, the drier climate? Yeah, so it's a, I'm struggling for the first few weeks for sure. It definitely <laughs> puts me on my butt after those motos, but, uh, but it's just something you have to put up with, you know, with Florida's being in, you know, super humid humidity like uh like florida is um so at the end of the day it's just something you have to learn to put up with but i i enjoy it because you know you have to put yourself through so much challenge to you know be be good at this sport and that's one of the challenges that comes with it for sure so growing up you know in socal um did you go to public school or were you homeschooled um so i've been in Scottsdale, I did all my schooling there. And then uh, once COVID hit, I was in seventh grade. And then I just stayed online through that after I did one year with the school I was in. I did online online school through them. And then I just decided it, it would have been easier now Now I was going into high school and stuff. So, so yeah, I've been online school for quite a few years now. Yeah. And do you think when you made that switch to homeschool, did it help you out for, you know, progressing in your writing and racing because you're able to maybe focus more on riding racing. Obviously you were still doing school, but you weren't sitting in a classroom for, you know, six, seven hours a day. For sure. You can, you, I was able to put way more attention, you know, when you're going to school, let's say like I, my, my schedule is 730 to 3.30 during the day. So it only leaves you with so much time. Usually you have, you have to put that time towards riding, you know, you don't always have time to cycle or go to the gym and do all the little stuff or go to physical therapy, all the little stuff that goes into it that, you know, it's not just riding, you know, so. Yeah, that's what makes it impressive or 
I think nowadays more people are in the homeschool route or online that, you know, that are making the push to racing. But, you know, back in the day, you had guys like even Justin Cooper and those guys go through high school. It's, it's pretty crazy to think, you know, that there's multiple ways to do it. But obviously, I think the homeschool route has the advantage over, you know, going to school full time and then still trying to ride and train. 100%. Also, growing up, did you play any other sports? Uh, were you into like basketball, football, baseball or anything like that? Or were you just you just liked riding dirt bikes? Yeah, I played, uh, I played, um, basketball. I did farm league for baseball. Um, but I never got too far in it because I always missed so many games on the weekends and stuff going racing and stuff. So I just ended up phasing out of it. But, but no, I, I had a lot of fun doing those little sports when I was young for sure. And so growing up writing and, uh, when did you start writing and when did, when did you get to a point where you're like, man, this is, I really like this. And maybe this is something I want to do, you know, um, as a career in the future. So I started riding when I was about two years old on a little backyard track we had. Um, and then it started getting serious when I was about six or so. I started training with my first trainer, Shark. He, uh, he gave me a really good foundation. And then we just started building from there. So I went to Loretta's for the first time when I was seven, I believe. And that was probably my first serious year that we actually tried to actually go to the big races. I, I went to spring nationals for the first time that year. That was basically my first for everything that year. Um, and we just kept on building from there. And then I'd say once we got to 85s, it got even more serious and we just kept on, you know, building from there. So. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's crazy to think about how much effort and time you guys put into this, especially at, you know, a young age that you're at. So kind of run us through what a day in Jeremy Fapani's life is like, you know, during the weekend and, you know, on the weekend, like what is your typical routine to, I mean, you're pretty much doing this full time, I can imagine. Yeah. So right now I'm, I, I, I actually ended up getting ACL meniscus surgery right after Loretta's. So I've been doing PT three days a week. So I have that three days a week and then gym three days a week and then cycling three to four days a week. So that keeps me plenty busy. But when I'm training, like, for example, when I was at uh, Alden's in the summer, we, were, we would ride Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, off Thursday, cycle Thursday, and then Thursday, Friday, ride, and then we would cycle on Saturday as well, and then throw about two to three gym days in there during, during the week. So usually Sunday's basically my only full day off that I'm not doing any sort of cardio or riding, but it's, it's basically a full-time job at the end of the day. Um, when you're training as hard, as hard as you have to, to be good in the savage. Yeah. And I think that's what makes a difference. You know, a lot of people that are growing up and are decent at writing, you know, they always say, oh, I want to be a pro one day, but you don't realize the amount of effort that you guys have are putting into it. Like it's, it's insane. You're, you're 17 years old and it's basically a full-time job and makes you kind of grow up quicker, right? Normal 17 year olds are in high school hanging out. Uh, you know, maybe riding on the weekend or playing sports, but I mean, you're basically focused on this every day. Yeah. Like when I was, uh, in, in the wintertime, when I was training with Ivan and the going to SoCal tracks, uh, it, it made me grow up pretty fast. Cause I, I've had a mechanic for about three years that when I was basically 85s to, to my last year on super minis, he, uh, he basically drove me everywhere, you know, did all my bike work, but. And then team decided to move on and it's pretty tough finding a new mechanic nowadays that, that works out for our scenario and that we trust. So I had to drive out two days, 
drive out Monday, Monday afternoon, drive to SoCal all by myself and then train and do bike work for three days and then drive back home. So it was, it was a lot of work for me that I just had to adjust to. And yeah, it definitely makes you grow up and you have to be mature. You can't be messed around when you're doing that type of stuff for sure. Yeah. It's probably hard, hard thing to balance because yeah, you're, again, you are a kid, but at the same time you have those goals. So you know what it takes. You're around the people that have been there and done that, right? So you, you see what it takes. And so that's, you really, and that's what you have to do to get to that point. So exactly. Well, cool. I want to ask you some fun personal questions just to get to know you a little bit more personally. First one, if you weren't focusing on being a motocross racer professionally, what would you want to be? I've always wanted to do something, you know, cool in sports, NBA football, but you know, I've never been too gifted in sports like that. I'm just not too talented. Um, but I, I, I personally don't know what I would do. I've always been focused on dirt bikes my whole life, but some, something in the extreme, I, I've always loved board sports. I love snowboarding. I love skateboarding. Uh, some, something in that area for sure. I would keep it in the extreme sports cate- category, I would, I would assume. If you could eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Uh, I've been raised off pasta my whole life. My dad coming from Italy, so I, I love pasta. So that, that'd be my meal probably. Oh, so you're getting that original, you know, OG pasta. You're not getting that Olive Garden stuff. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. If you could be any celebrity, who would you want to be in a why? I'd probably want to be like a little Bron James or Michael Jordan, someone that that's been super respected in their sport, that, that's accomplished almost every goal possible. Um, but they still have that huge celebrity status. So mm-hmm. some, something like that. For sure. What is your biggest fear? Um, it, it'd probably be, probably be failing. You know, I've always wanted to achieve my goals. And, you know, after all the work you put in, it, it's, it's tough when you don't achieve those goals. So that's, that's what drives me so hard to work so hard um, and all that. So. And definitely injuries, right? You mentioned you had surgery and you're recovering from that. You know, that's just another, another hurdle for you to overcome, which I'm sure you will. But again, you know, it's just, it's just, there's always these roadblocks in the way that you, you guys have to deal with, especially, you know, doing this work that we're doing. Oh, for sure. It's, it's tough seeing everyone else race and you just feel like you're, you know, mm-hmm. getting so behind because you've just been sitting around for the last few months. But, uh, but yeah, well, we've been putting in a lot of work, so we should be coming back here soon. So. Do you have any pet peeves? And if so, what's one of your biggest pet peeves? I got to stay super clean. Like bathroom has to stay super clean. House has to stay super clean. So goggles, gear, helmet, everything has to be clean. My, my boots, if they have scuffs on them, I'll sit there for an hour scrubbing them until the black scuffs come off. So I'd say <laughs> my boots is one of my biggest pet peeves. I can relate with you on that whole organization and cleaning things. I'm the same way. And you just feel... It feels like you're a sense of relief when everything's done and clean, even if it gets dirty again, whatever, but it's just when it's done, you feel better. Exactly. So growing up, was there any writer that you looked up to the most and what about them did you look up to the most on and off or off the track? My favorite growing up has always been James Stewart. He just, he had so much swag on the track and just had this cool style I've ever seen. It was so appealing to me because he had so much swag and then it just looked effortless. Like when he, when he, when he was in his flow, flow state, he was just, you know, scrubbing everything. He was just staying so low, you know, hitting lines. You, you never, you never saw anyone else doing during that day. So he, he was always my favorite rider growing up for sure. Yeah. And I think in my, at least my era, your era, you're younger than me, obviously by quite a, quite a few years, but 
you know, you think of like, you mentioned LeBron and Michael Jordan, James Stewart was kind of that person in, in our sport, even though our sport's at a much smaller scale, but he did things that many people had never done on a dirt bike and kind of changed the way people ride dirt bikes. So um, even to this day, it's like, man, you know, they even hear people say, oh, is that stewable? Or you just, you know, there's so many highlights and things you can find that just make your mouth drop still to this day. And, you know, he hasn't been racing in a lot, exactly. quite a while. So he's a living legend, that's for sure. 100%. Have you ever had a time where you, you wanted to quit and just be, be a normal kid? And, and if so, like what kept you going? I, I've never wanted to quit, but I mean, it's, a, it's, I mean, I've, I've thought about it a few times, you know, like, oh, it'd be, it'd be nice to not, have, you know, not be training, you know, six days a week, but I, I love it. I, w I would never want to switch. Um, I feel like it, it's more important to, you know, be learning these important life lessons, you know, having to be mature and do stuff on your own rather than, you know, going to high school parties on the weekends and stuff. So, yeah. And, I can imagine, you know, you're, you have support from KTM Orange Brigade and you mentioned you've been with them for a few years, I think since on super minis, um, do you, does that, obviously it's, it's nice to have that support, right? It make, takes a lot of pressure off you and your family, you know, with bikes and support like that, but does it add any sort of pressure to yourself to perform and, um, or do you just feel like you just still go out there and, and do what you can do on your, on your bike? No, Dan Daniel, he's been great ever since he came on. Uh, he, he never puts any pressure on me. He knows uh, what I'm capable of, and he just lets me go and do my thing, and he knows if I do my thing, I can win. So he's uh, Dan I, I love Daniel. Daniel's done a great job. He's stepping up the program. He's, you know, making it making it better than it's ever been, I feel like. So he's, uh, he's definitely making a huge step with that program, and I love where it's going, for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. And before KTM Orange Brigade, did you – have any support um, from any other teams or manufacturers or were you kind of you and your family doing on your own with, you know, obviously sponsors, but did you have any support before KTM Orange Brigade? No, so no, it was all on our own. I've been uh, fortunate enough to where my parents have always been able to provide bikes for me. So uh, yeah, we've always been doing it on our own until about three years ago on 85s. Nate Ramsey gave me the opportunity to come on and yeah, we've been with them ever since. Yeah, and how was that? I'm sure... Everyone that rides dirt bikes when they're young, you know, grows up wishing and hoping that they can get picked up by a team. What was the feeling like when you knew that you were getting, you know, signed by KTM Orange Brigade and that you're going to be under that tent? How did that feel? It was an awesome feeling for sure. You know, um, I've always, because I trained with Nate for a long time. He, he, he gave me the opportunity to train with him even when I wasn't on, K I was on KTM, so I wasn't on the factory team for amateurs. So. I was always like the odd guy out, uh, being on a privateer deal and then training with all his factory kids that he was, you know, coaching and stuff. So once I finally had the opportunity to join, then, uh, then it felt, I was definitely felt more accomplished, you know, finally was able to, uh, to be, be one of them and be on the team and stuff. So it was, it was pretty neat. Yeah. It's gotta be awesome showing up to, you know, these amateur nationals that you're doing and you roll up in your bikes, you know, it's under the awning and it's, it's you know, brand new looking, it's got, yeah, it's, and you're just rolling up with, you know, a gear bag and your stuff and, and then your, your bike's there. And it's just, it's gotta be cool that you're just like, man, it's just, this is just the next step in, in what you're trying to do. And, and, you know, not a lot of people get that opportunity. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. You know, it, it just gives it the more factory feeling for sure. So. So when do you think you had like your breakout season or ride that you kind of put you on the map or was there a certain year or race where 
you think you started to get noticed and ultimately got to where you're at? Or was it just building over the years that you think, uh, you know, got you where you're at now? Um, I feel like it, it's been a little bit of both. I, I've been, I've, I've never been like the, the flashiest rider on the track um, during a moto and stuff. But uh, last year on Super Minis, I, I definitely got my name out there a little bit more. Um, being able to win a title, but now now manufacturers, I feel like they don't look at the little bike class nearly as as much as they used to. And then this year in two fifties, I had a, I was doing real good all all week, and then I went one one in the first two motos in two fifty B limited, and then it was a really really bad mud moto, mm -hmm. and I whole shot it, and then I went down, and it was just a big pile up and stuff. Uh, I came out dead last, and they cut the laps, and you know it it's hard coming through when you're you know, half a lap down. And then I was able to come through all the way back to third and, uh, and get the championship. So that, that, that got a lot of people's attention for sure. Yeah. And I noticed, you know, for in this year at Loretta's, you got first in 250B limited and second in 450B. Like you mentioned, it was a pretty crazy week there with the weather. I mean, it, uh, <laughs> it looked pretty miserable at times, but, um, I can imagine going to that race you know, it's, it's just one race a year, but it seems like it just, you know, added stress. You got to, you know, people feel like they have to perform there. Um, and then add the weather into it. it had it been a pretty stressful week. Yeah. With the, with the weather and the cancellations, it was, uh, you know, you're just sitting in the RV watching more and more rain come down and <laughs> some people say they're going to cancel it. Other people are saying they're just going to ride. So, you know, it, it was, it, it was a weird feeling watching all that rain come down and know that anything can happen in those motos. Yeah, definitely. So you went to 50B at Loretta's, you know, obviously, like you mentioned, you know, you're, you're kind of recovering from an injury, but how would you sum up your 2023 as a whole? Was it a successful year and or how, just how would you rate it overall? Yeah, I, I, I think I had a great year. I built pretty, pretty dang good through the year. I, I, I didn't start the hottest, uh, won one championship at Freestone was, uh, top three at spring and ding. And then, uh, yeah, just went to Alden's and started cooking for Loretta's. And I feel like that helped me a lot. Um, it was the first year I was able to actually spend a few months at, at, at his facility in the past. I've been out there for a week, maybe two in the max, but, uh, but yeah, this was the first year I could actually spend some time and really get in the program. So yeah, I felt, I felt great. And I feel like that helped me a lot at Loretta's. And then I wasn't able to do some like mini O's. I wasn't able to do that because, uh, I, I raced on a blown out knee, so I just got it fixed mm -hmm. right after the race. So it sort of cut my year short, but not too short. So it was good. Yeah. So what are the plans for 2024? Um, get healed up and what, what, uh, what are you, what class and what races are you really focusing on for 2024? So I'll be in school A2 and then the 250B mod class. And uh, it, it, it's really up in the air right now. That the doctor said I can maybe start messing around in January and then trying to get back to full training in February. And it's going to be, it's going to be tough because I got a, for spring nationals, I, I don't think I'm going to be hitting those this year because I'd have to build up my endurance to 25 minute motos. And then at the same time, trying to train on supercross for some futures races. Mm -hmm. So I think we're going to try to focus on future races this year. Um, at the start of the year, at least, and then start grinding for Loretta's and maybe some later combines. But I'm, we're we're not too sure quite yet what what the what the path will be. We have a few that we're aiming for, um, so it's just gonna be it's gonna be a little different, you know, trying to find what races we should hit, what races we shouldn't, and stuff. So, for sure. And so you mentioned 
um, some Supercross futures. Do you have much experience on Supercross or is it something that's pretty new to you? Um, or have you been riding it since you've been around the, the program for a while? I rode it when they were doing futures for all classes. I, I rode quite a bit of that on 85s. And then uh, since then, I haven't ridden much of it, but we have a Supercross track at my house and I, I messed around on it a few times when it first got built in about, it was about March or so, maybe April. And I did a few days with Daniel. Daniel flew out and did a few days with me on that track, and I had a lot of fun on it. And uh, but no, I haven't. I haven't done any serious work on a Supercross track in quite some time. Yeah, and I think that's what makes it interesting. And I think they they're making the steps on the amateur side to get you know you guys more prepared with Supercross futures, moto combines, and stuff like that. But I think it's it's pretty crazy that you grow up your whole all your whole life racing you know motocross, and then um, you get to an age you know sixteen, seventeen. And then you got to be good at Supergrass too, which, you know, some people can do and some people can't. So it's like, it's like the make or break really. And it's crazy because you don't grow up race riding that your whole life. Yeah, I fully agree. It's, uh, it, they sort of just throw it on you and, you know, it's gotten a lot better with futures because, uh, now you have a few years you can build on it, but back in the day, you know, you just went from straight to Loretta straight, straight to 250, 250 West coast or East coast classes. So. It's definitely gotten a much, much better recently with the, uh, with the futures classes, but it's definitely, definitely tough to, uh, get in it for sure. Yeah, definitely. And you, you know, if you've been in the amateur scene for a while and you've seen how they've, you know, they're, they're starting to, to help with that transition from amateur to pro, like I mentioned with the futures and combine, is there anything else that you think would help you guys coming up through the ranks, you know, with the transition? Cause you see, you know, we've seen guys that are really top amateurs go on the pro ranks and then they fizzle out in a couple of years, which is, it's sad to see because they're not, they're really good at riding a dirt bike and, but there's just so many spots. And if they, you know, if they get hurt or if they don't perform in the first couple of years, it's like, you're forgotten about, is there anything that, you know, that you, since you've been in it for a while that you would think would help with that transition more, or do you think they're doing what they're, what they should be doing with these combines and futures? I think they're definitely on the way to making a lot better with futures. You know, they're, Futures and combine, I think, is a huge step because they're they're doing the same thing as the pro pro races, mm -hmm. um, but they can mess around on that for maybe maybe two even three years before they even go pro. Um, and then I feel like a lot of it is team managers like maybe throwing them out too early and they're not prepared for it. And then you know, it it may take them three years to develop in the pros, but then they they don't have enough time and you know you need to perform when you come into pros pretty soon. So. Um, I feel like a lot of it is just the process that the families and the team managers put together to where you pick the right time for you to go pro. Like it's really popular ever since Jets go pro 16, 17 years old, but it may be better to, you know, do a route like Jay Cooper Kitchen did to where, you know, you go pro at 18 or 19. So it, it, I think it all really depends on a lot of it is, is the path you choose on when to go pro, I feel like. Yeah. And you only have one shot, right? I mean, you can that we've seen guys um kind of reinvent themselves but when you go in you make you definitely want to make sure that you're ready because that you only have you know a year or two which seems insane but those are the those are most important years and and if you don't perform it then you're almost on the outside looking in so that's i think that's a good out uh, perspective to have is you know even if you're a little older just making sure you do it at the right time exactly yeah you only have three years max to prove yourself and then if you're uh st still struggling at that point then most of the times, factory teams will drop you, and then you're just trying to find a ride from there. So it's definitely tough for sure. 
We need to have it like the NFL where you have a rookie contract where you're guaranteed like four years. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. so a couple more questions. Um, and I like to ask this since, you know, you're, you're a little older now. I mean, you're still young, but you're not um, a baby anymore. And you're to a spot where, you know, you're supported by a team um, and you got to where you're at, which is, you know, impressive, obviously. But for the younger kids that are listening to this, you know, dreaming to get to the level that you're at one day, what is something that you would share with them that you know now that you wish you knew at their age? Um, I, I would say, you know, most of the time people, when I was younger, you know, you get your technique down and then uh, you uh, you sort of, you don't want to throw it out the door, but you you feel like you just need to start getting faster. And, you know, you a lot of times kids will let their techniques go out the door for a little bit. But I feel like you, you just got to work hard and, you know, you got to put, put focus on technique because if you don't have a good base then then I feel like you you have a you have a way way lower ceiling if you know if you have bad technique you only can go so fast without you know getting injured often because you know you can't hold on to the bike or you know you put yourself in bad situations so I would say technique is one of the biggest things and uh yeah you just gotta put the work in and like like I said you you have to think of it you don't want to think of it as a full-time job, but at the end of the day, it comes down to it with the amount of gym work you have to put in and cycling and riding and, you know, dealing with injuries. So, so yeah, you just got to work hard and make sure that technique is locked down. Yeah. And that's a good point. And it's crazy how it's changed over the years. The amount of um, dedication that you guys have to put in compared to when I was 17 and the guys that were, you know, making it to the pro level where, you know, people just rode, I mean, they rode their dirt bikes a lot. It, It was like, I don't know if really there was no training facilities and yeah, technique was one thing, but everybody was just trying to go as fast as they can. So it's crazy to see how much it's leveled up. And um, obviously you can see that with the guys coming in that are doing really good, that the, the level's definitely been increasing every year. And it's it's just, you just have to put more and more work in to, to make it there. Yeah, yeah. Even even the pros like uh, like an Anderson or a Barsha, you know, they came in way more wild and now you see them mellow out even more they still have that in them but you see their 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 style gets cleaner and cleaner mm-hmm. every year so um they just keep on learning that that's another thing you're, you're always learning you never you, you never just master the sport so you always have to learn and you know find new find new ways to make stuff work for sure well cool man hey we appreciate you taking the time to jump on here and and let us get to know you a little bit more and kind of share your story but before i let you go i want to give you a chance to give a shout out to the people that make it happen for you yeah, for sure. I, I appreciate you having me on. And, you know, my biggest supporters have always been my mom and dad. They've uh, they've done everything to give me the opportunity to perform and uh, give me the opportunity to even just have fun in the sport. So they've always been my big supporters. But, you know, Daniel, my mechanic, uh, my mechanic, Tyler, he always gives me the best machine to, you know, put under me. So th- those three are huge in my program. And then Beeks, you know, he's always helping me out. Daniel, KTM Orchestrate, 100%. Monster Mike and Monster, they've been huge supporters of mine for the past few years. He's always uh, given me the best support and, you know, giving me the best advice on what I should do in my career. So those are those are my biggest, big, biggest supporters in my program for sure. So Bell, 100%, 7MX, you know, A-Stars, those, those guys are some of the biggest, biggest in my program. So I'm super appreciated of them. Awesome. Well, hey, dude, we appreciate you taking the time to do this with us. And heal up and yeah, good luck in 24 and stay healthy. Thank you very much.